Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, and welcome to New Books in Performing Arts. I'm Andy Boyd. Today on the program, we have Anne Garcia Romero, author of The Fornes Frame, Contemporary Latina Playwrights and the Legacy of Maria Irene Fornes. Anne, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Andy. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, so you have a, a somewhat interesting uh, academic pedigree. You got an MFA in playwriting and then returned to grad school and got a PhD in theater studies. Could you tell us a little bit about your academic, artistic, and intellectual journey? Um, yes, it is unusual, I would agree. Um, so I uh, went to Occidental College for my undergraduate degree in theater arts and began writing plays when I was an undergraduate and um, decided then that I wanted to keep writing plays. I, was, I had a play produced in a one-act festival on campus, and that was it. I was completely... Uh, drawn into the playwriting journey. So I continued after um, undergraduate uh, and I spent a couple summers at the Padua Hills Playwrights Festival, which was a festival in Los Angeles um, that was started by uh, Maria Irene Fornes, Murray Mednick, and Sam Shepard uh, back in the late 70s to create a space where theater artists could create work and train the next generation of playwrights. And so I was there for two summers. That's where I first had a chance to study with Fornes. And then um, I continued to write plays in Los Angeles and wanted to pursue an MFA. And so uh, fortunately, I was accepted into the MFA program at the Yale School of Drama. Um, So I went there for three years. Um, and, uh, I had Fornes as a teacher in my first semester there, um, and some other remarkable playwriting professors during my time there. And so I sort of, I left Yale with, um, a professional path to pursue my playwriting. Um, but one thing that, uh, was not as clear to me when I was finishing school, uh, was that, uh, playwriting is not an economically sustainable way of life. Um, it's something that, uh, you have to do playwriting and, um, and so the, and for me was I moved to New York and, uh, quickly, uh, learned that I really had no, uh, playwriting, uh, income <laughs> coming in. So, uh, through one of my dear friends, who's an actor, um, who had worked in a law firm, I got a job in a law firm. Um, so I lived for four years in New York and I worked as a legal assistant by day, playwright by night. I took time off to do productions and do residencies. I was at the McDowell Colony two times. So I really had a chance to um, grow as a playwright. Um, but uh, my bread and butter was uh, working in a law firm. And then I, I began teaching when I was in New York. I taught one class at Wesleyan University. I took the train out to Connecticut one day a week. Um, so that was my beginning of my sort of academic uh, teaching career. Then um, I got a fellowship at the Jerome, um, the Jerome Fellowship at the Playwright Center in Minneapolis. So I left New York, went to Minneapolis for one year, um, had a wonderful experience there uh, writing um, and also teaching. I taught at McAllister College and Augsburg College. Um, I had a play produced there, and it was really the, the Playwright Center is one of our nation's, you know, really vibrant theater uh, centers for new plays. And so I was there for a year and then decided to go back to Los Angeles, where I had lived prior um, after undergraduate. And so I went back to L.A. and uh, landed in L.A. and quickly found out that, yes, there was no playwriting income there either. So I uh, began working in a law firm again. That was my bread and butter. And um, again, the same model I had in New York, but that kind of ran its course after about three years. And uh, it was really, honestly, very painful because the more I pursued my playwriting, um, the more I wanted to do that full time. And yet I had to, you know, earn my keep uh, as a self-employed individual. So um, when I left that job, um, I had... uh, 
in the, in the meantime, I had become a member of New Dramatists when I was living in Minneapolis. I was one of their national members. And New Dramatists um, is this amazing organization in New York that supports uh, playwrights for with seven-year residencies. And so I, um, I was one of their national members. And so in LA, there was a group of us who were living there who were national members, one of whom was Naomi Azuka, a wonderful mm. playwright and a professor. And so I knew that Naomi was a professor at University of California, Santa Barbara. And so I said, can we have coffee? And so we had coffee one day. And um, I asked her about her journey as a playwright and as a professor. And she said these remarkable words. She goes, Anne, come to UCSB, get your PhD. You can teach here. You could pursue your education here further. You know, please check it out. And I honestly had never anticipated going back to school. But I was at a crossroads in my life where I really wanted to teach again. I wanted to be really delve into the theater world more deeply. And so indeed, and Naomi's a brilliant playwright with an amazing career. And so I thought, okay, I'll check it out. And indeed, it was the right place for me. I applied, I got in. <laughs> this was like Thanksgiving, I applied in January. And mm-hmm. I began my program the following um, September. Um, and so I was there for five years, pursuing a PhD in theater studies. And what I found was, um, for me, it was a wonderful fit. It was the and I had been missing for my entire life. Um, it was for me, it's playwriting and scholarship. Um, there's a wonderful tradition in um, global theater of the scholar artist, artist scholar model, which um, in which, you know, artists are also writing about their work as scholars. Um, scholars are creating work as artists. And it's a really viable and exciting model that um, UC Santa Barbara embraced. And my wonderful advisor, Leo Cabranas Grant, who's a playwright, director, and scholar, um, really mentored me throughout my time there um, and showed me how it's possible to really maintain both worlds. And so when I was in grad school for my PhD, I was still having plays produced. I was still having plays published, um, still working on new plays, as well as writing um, for the first time um, scholarly works. So um, and that led me back into the classroom. I taught at um, UCSB the whole time I was there. Um, uh, and, then, um, and then I left UCSB in 2010. Um, and I got a, a postdoctoral fellowship at the University of Notre Dame. Um, and so I came here to the Midwest, where I still am, um, happily. And that turned into a full-time tenure track position at Notre Dame in the Department of Film, Television, and Theater. So uh, it's quite a circuitous route. Um, yeah. uh, many of my colleagues who I uh, at Notre Dame, you know, began their academic track a little bit younger. So I'm on the older side of many of my colleagues, but I, I kind of wouldn't have it any other way, honestly, because when I went back to school, um, it really uh, was clear to me what a privilege and honor it was to be in the classroom. Uh, and even today, as I teach, you know, my students, I've been at Notre Dame now for 10 years. I'm an associate professor uh, of theater. And um, I have to remember those difficult days in New York, those difficult days in Minneapolis and Los Angeles, where I was not able to pursue my love of theater full time. And, um, and so now I, that I can do that through academic work and through scholarship, it's really a privilege and an honor. And uh, I have to keep that in mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm a playwright as well. And, and I definitely identify with that struggle of, you know, you have you've written all these plays, and yet you can't, uh, you can't make rent uh, by any stretch of the imagination on playwriting alone. So I, I, I definitely appreciate you telling us a bit of that story. It sort of drives home the point that there's no kind of one specific route that you have to take to, uh, to, to be successful in this business, but it's, you, you, you can take this more circuitous route. It's really true, Andy. And the thing that's interesting is that, um, you know, uh, one time I, I was actually at UCS, UCSB, we had a, um, a speaker, Janet Nypris, who came to campus. She's an NYU professor who had just written a book about playwriting. And she had this great comment. She said, you know, all of us, uh, all, every playwright has, um, you know, different hills and valleys in their playwriting journey. And don't compare your topography to someone else's topography. And I just, mm. I, I love that, um, that idea that we all have these different, um, as you say, circuitous routes. And, um, and the idea is that uh, there's no one way to do it. Um, some people um, pursue television, some people pursue film. Um, you know, other arenas um, besides academia. And um, it's really, because um, I, I feel too, you know, uh, sustainability is so important in the theater. Like, how do we sustain ourselves as artists? You know, how do we make rent? 
How do we live comfortably? <laughs> How do we have health insurance? You know, all these very important things to, in order for us to have the conditions to write, you know? And so um, when I was in grad school, that wasn't uh, really a topic of, uh, of instruction. And um, the first time around in my MFA, so I, I kind of had to learn it the hard way. But, um, but I think it's an important thing that maybe not enough you know, playwrights talk about. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's, we have to sort of be transparent with one another and in terms of how we, each of us do it, because it is an individual journey, but it's a, um, it's a journey of, you know, writing plays and something else. Mm-hmm. So your book is uh, kind of primarily uh, about Maria Irene Fornes, uh, who's definitely a playwright who's star has uh, has risen somewhat in recent years. She started to become recognized as one of the really important uh, American playwrights of the 20th century, but she's still maybe not as well known as an Arthur Miller or a Tennessee Williams. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with Fornes, could you give us a brief kind of uh, uh, capsule biography of her? Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to. Um, so Maria um, Irene Fornes, um, was a award-winning uh, Cuban-American playwright, director, and teacher. Um, she uh, was born in 1930 in Havana, Cuba, and she came to the U.S. when she was 15 in 1945 and um, lived pr- primarily in New York City um, throughout her life, and she passed away in 2018. Um, in New York City, uh, she began her training in the arenas of the visual arts, um, and then moved on to, so she was, she was studying painting, um, with Hans Hoffman, the abstract expressionist painter. Um, and then she also studied acting at the actor's studio, um, with both Lee Strasberg and Jean Frankel. And, um, after those experiences, she, um, uh, began writing plays. And after she was writing plays, when she was at the actor's studio, she was in their playwrights unit. And so, um, she began writing plays and um, quickly became a major voice in the off-off-Broadway movement um, of the 70s and then moving into the 80s and 90s. Um, she uh, has uh, numerous Obie Awards for her work, which is the highest um, honor for off-Broadway playwrights and theater artists. Uh, she was someone who um, constantly was um, seeking her unique artistic vision as an artist. So each of her plays is very um, uh, different from each other in terms of theme, in terms of uh, subject matter. Um, I would say maybe one thing that ties them together is um, a notion of experimentation. She's always experimenting with uh, the form of the play um, and really um, having the play be organically linked to um, the characters and their paths through the play. Um, she was a playwright who began directing her own work um, early on in her career. And so she directed most of her uh, world premieres of her plays. Um, and for her, directing was an extension of her playwriting. Uh, she um, felt that she wasn't fully finished with the play until she directed it. Um, and then she began... Um, towards sort of the middle of her career, um, becoming a very influential teacher. Um, she taught all over the U.S. Um, and as well as internationally. Um, but perhaps her largest uh, contribution was in New York at INTAR. She began the Hispanic Playwrights in Residence Lab, which was a, um, a residency in which she selected a group of uh, what we, call, we now call Latinx playwrights to be in residence um, for a season to uh, go through intensive uh, classes and workshops that would culminate in a reading of new work. And she devised a very innovative way of teaching playwriting um, that myself and others uh, who are her alumna and her alumni um, teach now in various um, institutions and settings. Um, But she really, she drew from her background as a visual artist and her training in acting um, to devise a very um, dynamic way of creating new play material that um, draws upon sense memory exercises, visualizations, um, draws upon using found materials, um, draws upon um, using drawing um, and other collage and other kinds of visual arts methods. Um, and it's really um, her, her, her students, especially from NTAR, um, have gone on to become a, um, 
a group of the most influential Latinx playwrights in the United States. Um, her alumni include Milo Cruz, won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama, um, Luis Alfaro, Migdalia Cruz, Caridad Svich, Shri Moraga, um, uh, and the list goes on and on and on. So um, she really was uh, hugely influential in these three realms, playwriting, directing, and uh, teaching. And um, for those of us who were privileged enough to know her and to study with her, uh, many of us are very committed to her legacy and are doing what we can to make sure that people um, know about her work and that her contribution to the U.S. theater world is um, duly noted and, um, and acknowledged. So you, uh, you mentioned just now the INTAR group that she founded that, I mean, and really, if you look at the, you, you include some of the, uh, a list of some of the uh, graduates of that program, and, and it's an incredible list of, like you say, the most renowned uh, Latinx playwrights who are working today. Um, how central would you say Fornes' identity as a Latina playwright was to her work? It's very interesting you ask that, Andy, because um, the issue of identity was one that was uh, complex for uh, for Ness. She was someone, in my experience, that did not um, ascribe to any kind of labels or any kind of categories. Uh, She was first and foremost a theater artist. Um, However, uh, she uh, felt called um, to... um, particularly mentor and um, support um, what we now call Latinx um, playwrights. At the time she began the workshop, it was, you know, Hispanic playwrights or Latina, Latino um, playwrights. And, uh, you know, she, she would say that even though um, she'd been living in the U.S. since she was 15 years old, um, her Cuban identity was very important to her. She always had a very definitive Cuban accent when she spoke English. And she did not want to get rid of that because that was a part of her identity as a Cuban and as a Cuban American. Um, and so uh, it was really it largely informed her playwriting. I mean, she would often say that even though her play was not about uh, Latin America or the Caribbean, um, her Cubanness influenced her point of view and about how she wrote her plays, regardless of the, of the subject matter of her plays. Um, and so uh, she had a very um, uh, loyal and, uh, devoted, uh, community of Latinx playwrights who studied with her, um, and other artists who she met along the way who were in her place or who she met and she gave workshops across the country. Um, and so she had a very strong connection to the Latino community, the Latinx community. Um, and yet what's unique about Fornas is that she also equally connected to many other communities. Um, so the experimental downtown theater community that was diverse culturally, um, racially, ethnically, um, and, uh, you know, her, her ability to kind of traverse borders, if you will, um, borders of aesthetics, borders of communities make her a really unique figure, um, that while she had a very uh, important, um, place, uh, in the Latinx theater community, I mean, in many ways, she's considered the mother of Latina theater, <laughs> In many ways, um, she also has a um, a reach that is both um, you know national and global. Yeah, you mentioned that idea of crossing boundaries, and that seems to be one thread that ties together all of the playwrights you write about in this book. That they're all writers who are quite comfortable writing outside their own specific cultural identity, even if they're in other ways rooted in that identity. Do you view that as being part of Fornes's legacy? That's a really great question. Um, I I do. I think that um, when she was training um, me and and others in my group, as well as um, at Intar and other places, she um, would talk about she wasn't she was training um, playwrights to uh, be um, committed to their unique and uh, honest voice as playwrights. Um, regardless of culture, um, identity, um, ethnicity, race. Um, it was really about uh, seeking truth as an artist. And so um, in terms of the you know, Latinx experience, um, that meant that you know, she was encouraging people to write plays about any topic that they felt drawn to, regardless of their cultural background. And so I think that's really one of the hallmarks of how she taught and how she wrote. Um, and if you look at her alumni, um, you know, Luis Alfaro, who is, uh, you know, one of the most produced 
Latino playwrights in the U.S., um, his first play was about uh, a mother and son who live in England, who are British, um, and who and, and it was it was a play dealing with the the AIDS epidemic. Um, and so, and that came out of her workshops, you know. So um, that's just one example. Um, but I think she was someone who, um, for her, it was most important to be true to your artistic passion and voice and and trajectory and um, and not be um, necessarily uh, bound by any other um, uh, concerns. One other element that's common to a lot of these writers that you, you cover in the book is uh, some relationship with the supernatural. And now you go to some length in the book to distinguish this from what we might think of as magical realism. So what to you is the distinction between the supernatural and magical realism? Um, yes. So, um, magic realism is a term that was coined, um, to initially describe the, uh, Latin American novelist of, um, the quote unquote boom generation, such as, um, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Um, and, um, it was coined to, um, in some ways by, you know, a non-Latin, um, uh, audience to somehow describe um, the supernatural events that would take place in his novels. And, um, you know, I, I have this uh, citation in my book that when he was asked about this, he said, well, this is just everyday life. <laughs> mm-hmm. in, in Colombia, remarkable things happen, you know, um, every day. And so it, it was more like, this is realism. It's not magical. And so um, I um, have in my book and, and, and in, in subsequent, you know, work, I, I um, have a uh, real concern about the u- use of the word magical, um, because I think magic, um, magical can be a, um, a, a diminutive word, it can be a word that's trying to sort of explain away, oh, those magic, you know, um, you know, Latins, and um, as opposed to, it's a world in which the supernatural and the, and the natural um, arenas coexist, they intersect. That's just, that's reality. So perhaps it's mystical, perhaps it's hyper real, but to say magical to me, um, is, um, can be dismissive. Um, and it also can be exoticizing, um, where I think it's literally just another way to, um, create work, um, that reflects a reality that is not just, um, of the natural world, but also of the supernatural world. Um, and so, yeah, all the playwrights in, in the book that I, explore, um, many of them deal with this issue, some directly, some indirectly, but, um, the notion that our lives, um, are an intersection of the supernatural and natural worlds. And that intersection is, um, worthy of exploration. Mm. Yeah. I'm reminded of, uh, an essay, I'm forgetting the name of it, but that Chiara Alegria Hudes wrote, kind of complaining about how some of her work has been misinterpreted by a kind of white American theatrical gaze. And one of the things that she kind of kind of uh, writes about in that essay is the assumption that any discussion of spirituality is sort of silly or passe or, or, you know, can be explained away with this term magical when actually the spiritual is a very important reality for, you know, maybe most people in the world. So to completely write that off out of, or to write that out of the frame is, uh, is really doing violence to a lot of cultural experiences. That's a really um, wonderful point. And yeah, Kiara has been um, a amazing uh, voice in the U S theater. She went on to win uh, the Pulitzer prize for drama, the first Latina to do so. And, um, and yeah, she's written really eloquently about this issue. Um, I mean, because for me, you know, partly in the book, um, I use the term um, supernatural intervention. Um, and I talk about how um, these, these plays create a sacred space. They address ritual. And then that results in what I, I use the term of facultav, which means faculty. It's a term that I, um, I read in the work of the wonderful Gloria Anzaldúa. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks about this idea of a new way of seeing that um, this, this sacred space, these rituals create a new way of seeing the world. And so I, I just really love that idea of um, it's, uh, it's, it's just a new and a different way of seeing the world. It's not any um, less than the empirical scientific um, lens. It's, it's just a different lens that is, um, amplifies another aspect of, of you know, human experience. Yeah, you mentioned Gloria Anzaldúa, and she's a theorist that you draw on time and time again in this book. Could you talk a bit about what her 
writings helped you see in the plays that you wrote about? Yeah, she um, was an amazing um, uh, writer, writer. theorist, as you say. And um, her book, The Newest Mestiza, was hugely influential to me um, for a number of reasons. Um, You know, uh, partly because of these um, important terms that she uh, explored, such as facultad. Um, She looked at the term mestiza, which, you know, comes from the idea of mix, something that's mixed. Um, And she really talked about the idea of um, there's this one analogy where there's sort of a river that has two shores. And the idea is that you, you can be on both shores, <laughs> you know, as, as someone who has a, 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 um, a bicultural or multicultural background, you don't have to, it's not either or it's both. And so she, um, wrote very eloquently about this. And, and also too, one thing I love about her work is that she writes in a style that, uh, that, that, um, is a mixture of both uh, poetic language and theoretical language. Um, it's a, it's a, in some ways, it's the, the, the writing in her book is a reflection of her um, definitions of what a mestiza is, you know, what it means to live a hybrid life, you know. And so um, I, when I read her work, uh, I was hugely inspired by her and wanted to draw upon that in my, in my book. Um, and uh, because she's one of the, you know, early writers, um, who are, um, and she, she worked, sadly, she, she passed away way too young, but they, you know, she was Latina, Chicana, um, and along with actually Sheree Maraca, who's another Tornessa alum. Um, so she and Sheree Maraca, uh, created a collection called The Bridge Called My Back. Um, and that is another amazing collection of essays. So, um, I think really the two, areas that I explore the most are this area of facultad and this area of mestiza identity. Um, but I think she, um, her ability as a, um, poet and a scholar to create this amazing, um, work was hugely inspirational to me. Great. Going off that idea of identity, it's perhaps ironic that Fornes's best known work, Fethu and Her Friends, is a play uh, where all of the characters at least implicitly, I think are sort of white New England ladies. Um, what excites you about this play? Um, so Fafu and Her Friends is, as you say, one of Fornes's best known plays. It's an Obie Award winning play that was really groundbreaking. Um, it was written in 1977 and um, it's groundbreaking for a number of reasons. Um, the play um, is about a group of women who gather in a New England home in the 1930s um, to prepare for a fundraiser um, to support the education of their um, of women in, in their community. And so um, the uh, the play um, really highlights Forness's emphasis on um, character, and that a play is about the paths of characters. Um, and it's not necessarily driven by um, a uh, plot that is um, sort of uh, Aristotelian, um, but it's driven by the characters and their desires and their histories and their fears and their needs. Um, so experimenting with form is a big part of this play as well. Um, so when Fornes was um, going to direct the production, they um, went to a space, a loft space in New York City to potentially rent the loft for the production. And as she was going through the loft, um, the owner said, oh, do you want to see the kitchen? Oh, do you want to see this other room? And she said, oh, yes, of course I do. And so as she took the tour of the loft, she realized, oh my goodness, the second part of my play can take place in these different rooms. And so indeed, when she finished writing the play, um, part one takes place in the main room of the house and then uh, Fefu's house. And then part two takes place in four separate areas um, a bedroom, a kitchen, um, the lawn, and a study, um, or library. And so um, the audience then had to uh, break into four groups in part two. And the, the part two scenes were performed four times for each of these groups. And then they come back together for the third part of the play, um, once again, in the, in the main room of, of the house. So it was really a, um, one of the first, I believe, site-specific immersive theater experiences um, in U.S. theater that um, is, is, uh, was successful in this way. Um, and so uh, the play um, 
the audience really is in, in many ways begins sort of their 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 migration <laughs> across the borders of each of these rooms to experience these women in a very intimate way. I've seen the play in production a couple of times, um, and uh, and I have to say, like like in in the room uh, in the bedroom where the character Julia is having um, uh, these sort of hallucinatory. Um, moments. Um, it's just so powerful to be literally inches from the actor who is performing this monologue. Um, and so it creates a level of intimacy with the audience that is very unique for um, a theater going experience. Um, and then I think, you know, lastly, just the language of this play is so rich and so delicious. <laughs> uh, in my mind, um, it's, uh, it, it looks at the women's um, in the play, their concerns. Um, their desires. It looks at um, uh, the woman's place in uh, in a man's world. It looks at um, you know uh, two women who have a relationship um, who are lesbians who have now broken up and sort of dealing with their their complicated romantic past. It deals with class, um, how women of different classes, um, um, in terms of the economic barriers women women can face um, with education. Um, it just has so many layers to it, um, and. And then it also has, you know, um, sort of this, the beauty of having this group of eight women together on stage, celebrating education, celebrating each other. That is also um, something that you don't see enough of. Um, and it's interesting, you, you know, going back to identity. So, yes, the play is about these um, Anglo women. Um, however, the play was inspired by uh, a Mexican joke, as, as Forness describes it. <laughs> um, hmm. And so there's, um, there's a part of the play where uh, Fefu and her husband, Philip, have this game where she uh, shoots a, a rifle out the, out the back uh, sort of uh, French doors. And then in the distance, he falls down. And, and, and these, are, these are blanks. You know, she's not shooting the gun for real, but it, it really startles and, 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 and unsettles her, her friends at the house. Um, and this came from a Mexican joke where, uh, and I'm not going to be able to tell it exactly right, I think, but the idea is that two men are in an arena, um, watching a bullfight and one man says to the other, you know, Oh, who is the woman that you like, or who's, who's your wife or something like this. And so he goes, Oh, the one over there. And then he shoots. <laughs> it's the one that falls. Oh, the one that fell down. <laughs> you know? So it's a very yeah. it's a horrible, like, you know, uh, misogynist joke. Um, but I think, you know, uh, Forness is looking at this idea of the patriarchy, this idea of misogyny, this idea of what is a woman's role? How does a woman, how, how is a woman empowered in the society? And it takes place in the thirties, right? So it's kind of gives you a little bit of historical distance to look at these issues. Um, and then also in the play, she, you know, she brings in a variety of other cultural sources. Um, most, most, uh, importantly, Emma Sheridan Fry who um, was an educator who um, educated um, children in, um, in New York City from, who were coming in from different um, countries who were immigrants. And she um, used dramatics to uh, educate these children. And so in one of her writings, um, she talks about the power of um, sort of theater as a tool to educate. And so in the play, Forness excerpts one of her essays in their rehearsal scene where Emma, the character, uh, in the play, who's in some ways, I suppose, is inspired by the name of Emma Sheridan Fry, um, Emma delivers this very dramatic reading of this um, selection from this um, this writing by Emma Sheridan Fry. And so, you know, when I began to sort of dig beneath the surface, so to speak, um, I just began to appreciate more and more the genius of this play, the, the layers of it, the, the complexity of it. Um, and it really is, I think, one of the most important um, plays uh, of the 20th century um, in the U.S. theater, um, and it certainly has not gotten its due as other classic plays have. It did have a wonderful uh, revival uh, last year in New York off Broadway, um, mm -hmm. so uh, there is renewed interest in, in the work, which is exciting. Um, and I also want to add that, um, on a side note, uh, later in her career in the nineties, Forness decided to create a single set version of her play. Um, so she directed, uh, her, the play at Mullenberg college in Pennsylvania, and she directed a, a version where part two was all in one room. Hmm. So, and that, that version was published, um, by her, pub, by her main publisher, um, PAJ, um, publishing, um, that was published a, a few years ago. Um, and it's available on the TCG um, uh, bookstore, um, tcg.org bookstore. 
Um, and so, yeah, so she kind of has, there's two versions. So um, many of us uh, feel like if the, because so, sometimes the, the, the original version of moving to different rooms makes it um, prohibitive to produce. Um, so, uh, but with the single set version, um, which I've seen readings of, and it's really very compelling. Um, and in fact, uh, I, uh, in one of my um, many jobs in New York, I worked as a typist for Forness when she had just mm-hmm. finished that production. And so she gave me her her hand scribbled notes <laughs> on uh, the script. And I spent uh, quite a bit of time deciphering and typing in um, the single set version for her um, back in the day. So, um, so, so she, you know, so I think that's perhaps a more accessible version for audiences. And I'm, I'm hoping that um, one or the other um, continues to get um, its, its acclaim because it really is a groundbreaking um, play that needs to have more, um, more uh access to audiences yeah i saw the version at theater for a new audience and it was a very beautiful kind of lavish production but they did do use the original second act where you move around into the different spaces and in that space it was quite cramped i mean getting all the audience members essentially onto the stage to move around to the different rooms did feel like very claustrophobic so maybe they they could have benefited from taking a look at that uh, second version yeah, I mean, I think um, it's interesting. I mean, it's 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 a it's a challenge to to find ways to do that second part. Um, and I think, though, um, I unfortunately didn't have a chance to attend that production. Um, but uh, I heard, you know, many wonderful things about it. And um, you know, I think the claustrophobia you mentioned. I mean, in some ways, that's kind of the, partly the point of the second part, although it's it's mm-hmm. un- it's uncomfortable. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and, but it's that closeness with fellow audience members is, um, is kind of part of the sort of intimacy of part two, but, um, but logistically it is, it is a challenge. And, um, so, um, so yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's really part of, part of the challenge of the play. In addition to Fornes, you write about five sort of artistic descendants of Fornes. Uh, Obviously, there are dozens of possible candidates you could have chosen. How did you narrow down your field of inquiry to the five uh, Fornes descendants you eventually settled on? Um, So that is a great question. Um, So I kind of going back to my um, re-entry into academia um, to pursue my PhD in theater studies, um, when I was um, beginning to consider what I would be writing for my dissertation, um, I, uh, in consultation with my, my wonderful mentor, um, Leo Cabranas Grant, um, I decided that I would uh, really delve into my life as a playwright, um, really delve into the field of Latina theater um, that I had experienced professionally for a decade before I entered um, my PhD program. And um, because having like an insider's view as both a playwright and now a scholar, I thought was a really interesting position. And so um, I want I immediately um, reached out to women that I had gotten to know in my travels as a professional playwright. Um, and so I, I sort of uh, sent out a questionnaire to a group of people, and um, and these five women were, were ones that responded. And um, I had I've, I'd worked either with all of them um, in some way as a I, I dramaturged um, readings by Caridad Spitch and Karen Zacarias. Um, I had known Elaine Romero through my experience at the Mark Taper Forum's Latino Theater Initiative. Um, Kusi Cram, I had uh, met through my association with the Hispanic Playwrights Project at South Coast Repertory Theater in California. And then Kiara Alegre Udes, and also Caridad Svich and I were, had been members of New Dramatists in New York. So I, I kind of reached out to my professional networks um, and... Um, and began my um, uh, sort of project that way. And then as I began receiving the questionnaire information and looking at the plays um, that they were recommending and suggesting, I, I, I felt like this grouping um, for me at the time was the most compelling in terms of diversity of work, diversity of background, and um, diversity of connection to Fornas herself. Um, Caridad Svich of the five is um, sort of uh, was one of Fornes's protégés, um, along with Migdalia Cruz, um, who's I mentioned in the book, um, who uh, is a wonderful playwright as well, and whose work has been documented by um, a number of scholars. Um, uh, and so Caridad um, sort of is the first person I write about because she 
was uh, part of the Hispanic Playwrights and Residence Lab. And she was also Fornette's assistant uh, for a, a number of years. And so she really sort of had the... And then she also um, uh, has published a lot on Fornette's legacy. She has got a wonderful book called Conducting a Life. It was published in 1999 or 2000, and it's a collection of essays written by Fornes's collaborators and, and, and former students. Um, and it's a wonderful sort of view of Fornes's legacy. Um, and then, you know, and the others, Karen Zacarias um, is someone who, um, like I mentioned, I had worked on her play Mariel on the Desert as a dramaturg um, because the program at um, the Hispanic Clarice Project at the time that was run by a director named um, Julia Carrillo. Um, and she had a tradition of hiring um, uh, playwrights to dramaturg other playwrights' readings. Mm. And so I was hired to uh, work on Karen's play, Mariela, and it was just uh, an honor. She's, uh, it's, it's a gorgeous play um, and that looks at um, a family who live, are living in the Mexican desert, a family of artists. Um, and so, um, so I wanted to sort of look at her, her work as someone who had not known Fornes, but Fornes created a foundation that really informed the, the, the work of someone like Karen Zacarias. Um, Elaine Romero um, was someone who has studied with Fornes. She, she was a student of Fornes um, at uh, Fornes, did these workshops in Toxco, Mexico, uh, Mexico, and um, Elaine was a student of hers there. Um, and, um, and Elaine is someone who um, really delves into the spirit world um, in a very compelling way in her works. And so she was someone in particular who I really wanted to explore her relationship with the supernatural um, in her plays. Um, and then Kusi Cram um, is uh, a wonderful playwright based in New York City, uh, a member of the Labyrinth Theater Company in New York. And um, she her plays really really excavate identity in fascinating ways um and uh and then Chiara Alegria Udes um who when i began writing about her work um she was just gaining momentum with her Elliot trilogy Elliot a soldier's fugue is um in my book um and then she went on to write two more plays uh Water by the Spoonful and The Happiest Song plays last and Water by the Spoonful won the Pulitzer prize um so she's had a remarkable trajectory um, and she really experiments um, in exciting ways. She was a composer um, by training, and then she began writing plays um, as well. And so her plays really draw um, this this trilogy in particular draws upon um, musical uh, influences such as the fugue. Um, and um, and so really, I thought this collection of plays was really uh, vibrant and, and varied, and really uh, demonstrated the range of the Latina playwriting community that Fornes was the foundation for. Um, and I also want to add that one of the other reasons I chose these playwrights is I really wanted to look at the cultural multiplicity in the Latina playwriting community. So each of these playwrights has a really unique background. Um, so uh, so Caridad Svich is Cuban, Spanish, Argentinian, and Croatian in her background. Karen Zacarias is Mexican, Lebanese, Danish. Kusi um, Kram is Bolivian, Scottish. Um, and Elaine Romero has both um, a long history of a family in New Mexico in the Southwest, um, Mexican-American, also some Spanish background. And Chiara Udes has a Puerto Rican background as well as uh, Jewish heritage. So they all have these really interesting, complex cultural backgrounds that sometimes they would show up in the place. Other times that wouldn't be the case. But I, I really wanted to highlight how the community is very heterogeneous. It's a very complex um, and many people are bicultural, multicultural who are Latinas, because I find often that um, that isn't as well known. Um, and just as Fornes uh, did not like uh, categories to define her identity, um, these playwrights are really um, uh, kind of moving past one notion of identity and redefining what identity can be. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for that uh, very comprehensive explanation. Um, you mentioned a bit about kind of how your work fits into other scholarship about uh, Hispanic or Latino, Latina theater. Could you talk a bit of, more about kind of what gap in the scholarship you wanted to fill with this book? Yeah, there were a couple of um, areas that I felt could be useful um, uh, to explore in this book. Um, one was, as I mentioned earlier, when I was considering, um, so this book, as I mentioned, it, it began as a dissertation. And then um, after I finished my degree, um, as many scholars do, I completely rewrote, rewrote the dissertation. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> the thesis got completely rewritten in many ways, although the, 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 the material was, was the same. It was restructured and reorganized and amplified uh, to become this book. Um, and so, uh, but I, when I began my, my journey as a scholar in graduate school, I was really uh, interested to see at the time, this is back in 2004, that the scholarship that I was finding uh, about, um, you know, Latino, Latina playwrights was about works that were written in like the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, And I was not seeing anything written about the current moment. Um, And I had met these remarkable women in my travels as a professional playwright. and And I thought, why is no one writing about their work, you know? Um, mm. so part of it was I, these women need to be in the archive. Um, the archive is very important that we have spaces to critically and um, sort of academically examine these marvelous works. And so I wanted to kind of bring these names into the archives. That was one thing. Um, and I think another area was um, I wanted to look at these at these different um, arenas of, of cultural multiplicity, supernatural intervention. Um, Latina identity and theatrical experimentation. So I felt like, especially with the experimentation, that it hadn't been um, an area of, uh, at, that, at that time, it hadn't been well documented. How do these playwrights experiment with form? How do these playwrights break boundaries um, aesthetically? And I, I, I hadn't seen um, a lot of scholarship at that time that dealt with that issue, um, as well as looking at, as we talked about earlier, the supernatural and how that is... Um, sort of dealt with in many of these, uh, you know, Latinx plays and Latina plays. So, you know, I, since, since the writing of this book and, and sort of while I was writing it, there has been more scholarship that has arisen, which is very compelling and, and, and exciting, which is, uh, I'm, I'm happy to report. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, so I began this journey, like I said, in 2004 with the book. And so um, that was the initial impulse was sort of including these names in the archive looking at, at uh, aesthetics and looking at identity and looking at the supernatural. Great. Now, finally, I'd like to kind of come full circle and talk about your identity as a playwright. Could you tell us a bit about how Fornes inspires you in your own writing? Yes, I'd be happy to. Um, so I know it's a big question. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. But it's a, it's a great question, actually, because um, so Fornes um, inspires me in many ways in my writing. Um, you know, I have the, the honor of studying with her at the Padua Hills Playwrights Festival and then at the Yale School of Drama. Um, uh, and yet, uh, you know, it was uh, relatively brief in comparison to my colleagues, such as Caridad's Fitch and Migdalia Cruz, who were, were with her at the Hispanic Playwrights in Residence Lab. And I've actually since, you know, learned a lot from both those two writers in particular about their experiences as her, as her protege, her protégés. But um, I think for me, uh, you know, a play begins with a character. Um, and so I learned that in Fornessa's workshops that you close your eyes you visualize a character, you open your eyes, you draw a picture of that character, and then you begin writing in in that character's voice. Um, And then you draw upon found materials like uh, phrases, um, fragments from texts, images, paintings, historical um, artifacts, uh, and that all becomes a part of the play. And so that was really her method was to incorporate um, the visual incorporate uh, found materials, um, and really begin a play as an exploration of character. And so that's really been my journey as a playwright. All my, all my plays begin with character exploration when I'm first writing them. Um, I, I don't begin with a plan for narrative. I don't begin with a plan for structure. I begin with character first. And that, that is, is how I teach playwriting when I teach my students. And it's, it's how I write my plays. Um, and it's really... It's a way of writing that is um, very challenging because you, you have to give yourself a period of not knowing, a period of being uh, in the woods, so to speak. Um, and it's the scariest and it's the most challenging part of the process because I want to know what the story is. <laughs> I want to mm-hmm. know what the world is. I want to know what the structure is. And I have to give myself the space not to know. Um, and one of the things Fornes once said to one of my classes was when I begin to write a play, 
I think to myself, I have absolutely no idea how to write a play. And when she said that, I felt so much better because mm. every time I start a play, I think, I don't know how to do this. What in the world am I doing? <laughs> yes, I, I completely identify with that feeling. Yeah, I've written probably about 20 plays and I'm still, I still have no idea how, I've, how I wrote any of them. You know, and it's just until the characters reveal themselves, until the characters begin to speak in a particular way, until, you know, then it, it begins to take shape. But that, that early, those early phases of just taking notes, writing scenes, I mean, in her workshops, there's a lot of in-class writing. So, um, and a couple of years ago, I was able to organize um, a foreigners playwriting workshop in Chicago that Magdalia Cruz taught. We brought together a group of playwrights to spend about a week or so learning the Fornas method. And we would just sit in a room around tables and just write and write and write and write in our notebooks, you know, till our hands were like, you know, completely exhausted. Um, and then you go home, you type that up and you see, okay, what do I have here? Like, do I have something here? Like, could I use this? And you, you need to give yourself this spirit of experimentation, this period of exploration. And, and Fornas taught me that as well. I mean, you know, you write around the play, you write, you write, things that might not even end up in the play, but you learn about your character. Um, and just like, you know, like an athlete will, uh, you know, work out, um, they'll exercise their muscles, you know, writers have to do the same thing. You've got to exercise your writer muscles. You've got to sort of um, do exercises and explore and be open. And I think all of that um, Fornes taught me. Um, and, you know, the more, when I wrote this book um, and began this journey, I, uh, I knew these things, but, but not to the depth that I know them now. And I just became so committed to her legacy because uh, it's really, I mean, I, I studied with a lot of people in school and a lot of wonderful playwrights and I've met people along the way, but her, her way of creating new work, I think is truly revolutionary. Um, and uh, unfortunately, she never wrote a book about her, her methods. She was going to write a book. She got a grant to write a book and then it never happened. Um, mm. And so those of us who were her students are, are, you know, doing our best to begin to document her, her, her methods. Um, because I think for me, it's, it's made all the difference in my playwriting journey and career. And, you know, I hope that others can benefit from that. Well, I feel like you've definitely made a significant contribution towards kind of uh maybe writing that part of that book with this one in terms of uh, giving us a sense of Fornes's place in the canon and, and her place as the founder of a new canon. Well, thank you. That's, um, that's very kind of you to say. Um, I hope it's been useful to, you know, have this book out in the world. And I, um, I hope more people can explore, you know, Fornes's work because she's truly an American treasure. And Garcia Romero, thanks so much for coming on New Books and Performing Arts. Thank you, Andy. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you.